When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Buenos dias, world, from the San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance. I'm Marco Wint. And I'm Rick Schwartz. And we're your hosts for Season 3 of Amazing Wildlife, a show from iHeartRadio Ruby Studio and the global conservation organization behind the San Diego Zoo and the San Diego Zoo Safari Park. Listen as we dive into the efforts here in San Diego and spotlight the heroes working worldwide to care for the species you know and love. Listen to Amazing Wildlife on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey all, welcome back to the Real Life Pharmacology Podcast. I am your host, Eric Christensen. I want to remind you guys, you can certainly subscribe to the email list at reallifepharmacology.com where I give away a free 31-page PDF on the top 200 drugs. In that PDF, I uh, note some of the most important clinical pearls you'll need to know uh, in clinical practice as well as some of those things that come up on uh, various board exams and pharmacology classes and so on and so forth. So really kind of a unique resource for any you know, nurse, pharmacist, pharmacy student, med student, uh, anybody taking pharmacology classes or dealing with medications on a day-to-day basis. So go check that out at reallifepharmacology.com. Uh, today I want to get into nicotine patches. So this medication is obviously to replace nicotine and help patients stop smoking. Uh, Brand name of nicotine patches, uh, Nicoderm CQ is the one that I've seen used most commonly. Uh, With nicotine patches, I, I think it is important to note that we do have three primary dosage strengths. So we've got a 7 milligram patch, a 14 milligram patch, and a 21 milligram patch. And really, there is a lower end weight restriction, but for most adult patients, they're they're above that. So if somebody's super low weight, uh, you might want to double check and, and look that up. But by and large, we look at the number of uh, cigarettes smoked per day and judge our initial dosing. Uh, off of that in in most cases. So obviously there could be a situation clinically where maybe a patient has tried patches in the past and they didn't tolerate the high dose or something. You might start at a a lower dose in that type of situation. But um, going off of the cigarettes smoked per day, if we've got a patient that is smoking 11 or more, we're going to generally go with the 21 milligram patch and start with that. So that's the the highest dose there. If it's 10 or less, then we might start with 14 milligrams as far as the the patch goes there. And so 10 is a good number to kind of remember and an easy number to remember uh, based upon the, the number of cigarettes smoked there. So if we got above that, 21 milligrams, below that, uh, 14 milligrams. So with that dosing, how long do we do the dosage form? So usually, or what's approved is 21 milligrams, uh, that dose for six weeks, 
and then we would do 14 milligram patch for a couple weeks and then the seven milligram patch for a couple weeks. So kind of a, of a, a taper down with a longer period of time on the higher dose. Now, if we're starting at that lower dose or the medium dose, 14 milligrams, that's 14 milligrams for six weeks and then seven milligrams for two weeks there. So again, that, that dose is, is generally at least initially going to be based on, um, the number of, of cigarettes smoked. Uh, from a mechanism of, of action standpoint, obviously we're replacing nicotine. Uh, that's our objective, our goal to replace that nicotine so patients feel they don't need it necessarily through smoking cigarettes. So nicotine itself uh, in the brain essentially binds uh, nicotinic and cholinergic receptors which can produce a um, stimulating type effect. Uh, and it can also impact kind of the, the reward center uh, and the, the limbic system, um, which that can really fuel, uh, that reward can fuel that addiction uh, to cigarettes, which is why so many uh, patients struggle to uh, come off smoking. Um, back kind of relating the, the patch to clinical judgment. So we, t- we talked about the number of cigarettes smoked. Um, it's always important to use clinical judgment. If you've got a patient that's experiencing uh, adverse effect, intolerabilities due to a higher dose, obviously we're probably going to reduce that dose. Same thing if you've got a patient reporting uh, significant withdrawal symptoms, you know, that's a situation where we, we might escalate the dose and go up. You know, if you started a 14 milligram patch, they're experiencing those withdrawal symptoms, we might bump them up to the 21 milligram patch. And here's a shock to you. Patients maybe don't exactly report uh, exactly how much they're smoking as well. Just like drinking alcohol and other things, we, we tend to maybe... Um, underestimate how much of a negative thing that we're doing. So um, very important to, to use that clinical judgment and recognize that, that patients might not be exactly uh, accurately portraying how much they're, they're doing something or they're smoking in, in this case. Uh, a few other clinical pearls uh, with regard to the patch. Uh, so only one at a time. I think that's kind of common sense. Um, this specific patch you cannot cut. So something like a lidoderm patch for pain, you can cut that type of patch. But uh, nicoderm uh, replacement patches, uh, nicotine replacement patches, you, you cannot cut them. Essentially what's going to happen is you're going to uh, lose some of the, the drug and obviously reduce effectiveness there. Um, you want a, a non-hairy area, clean area on the body. Usually most patients I've seen do it on the kind of the back of the arm. Uh, I have seen some kind of upper chest area, that type of, of location as well there. Now, wearing the patch, this is something that has definitely uh, come up before in clinical practice. How long do I have to wear this? How long can I wear this patch? So they are intended to be once daily. And really, in most patients, we're going to use them 16 to 24 hours. And probably the, the biggest, the two big things that I remember with how long to determine uh, to wear the patch is, 
are they having adverse effects at night? And specifically, adverse effects like insomnia, vivid dreams. If that's problematic at night, that definitely could be because of nicotine concentrations. So in that situation, we might say, hey, take it off at night. Now that can be balanced with um, morning cravings. So if you've got a patient that it's like, yep, I get up. The first thing I do during the day is have my cigarette. That's how I get going. That's how I do my thing. Um, that's a situation where you're probably going to want that nicotine in the body. Because remember, these these patches have a slower onset. They're intended to be longer acting nicotine replacement. It's not like a piece of gum. It's not like an inhaler. You're not going to get that quick absorption from a nicotine patch that you would with some other dosage forms that are meant for acute relief. So that's kind of some of the the downsides of of the patch and the kind of the yin and the yang, the good and the bad, so to speak, uh, is that slow onset. So it's it's not going to be used for quick relief. And one other downside is throughout the day, if patients have really strong cravings, uh, you can't adjust the dose of the patch. You can't somehow ratchet it up and, and increase the dose that's being delivered from that patch. And even if you could, that dose would take a while to get ramped up because it takes time for that drug to pass through the skin. So uh, those are definitely some important pearls uh, to think about when we're talking about nicotine patch uh, administration and use of it. Uh, let's wrap up the first section here uh, talking about adverse effects. So I mentioned a couple uh, insomnia, vivid dreams. If patients are having those, that's probably a candidate that we're likely going to take that patch off at night. Um, other adverse effects I have seen, have heard of um, GI upset, which tends to be obviously a lot more common if you're, you know, doing a nicotine gum or something because that nicotine is is going right into the gut there. Um, With the patch, it is possible, maybe a little less likely. Um, Headache. And then, of course, with any topical administration, there is potential for uh, skin reaction. So, uh, you know, keeping that, that site clean, obviously not, you know, placing the patch right on the same exact spot over and over and over again, that may lead to some worsening of the irritation issue there. So uh, keep that in mind. Obviously, if somebody's reporting really severe reaction, rash is spreading, it's getting worse, uh, you know, it's it's painful, it's weeping, it's, you know, other uh, worrisome symptoms. Um, yeah, you got to educate your patients to report uh, those issues to you if they are having problems with that. Maybe something else is going on, infection or, or whatever. So I think that, that wraps up adverse effects. Uh, we'll take a quick break, then we'll finish up on drug interactions. If you're looking for board certification study material, BCPS, BCGP, ambulatory care, BCMTMS, or NAPLEX material, uh, we've got lots of cool stuff going on at meded101.com slash store. You can find links to all the resources we have. Uh, also, uniquely, uh, just released a drug interactions book that I will um, cover many of the interactions that I'm, I'm covering today with regards to, to nicotine and, and smoking. So you definitely go check that out. I've got a link to that um, right on uh, my site at meded101.com slash store. 
In addition, I have just released um, a new 100-question free NAPLEX practice exam. So definitely go check that out. And you can find the link to rxgrad at meded101.com slash store, or you can go straight to uh, rxgrad.com as well. So again, check out those resources, support the sponsor, help keep this podcast free and educational uh, to all those that that want and, and need to learn more about medications and medication safety. All right, let's finish up on drug interactions. So as a whole, nicotine replacement generally doesn't have too many drug interactions. Um, one, cimetidine, that comes to mind. So nicotine can be increased or concentrations can be increased on account of cimetidine. Uh, Varenicline, which is also used for smoking cessation purposes, um, using that in combination with nicotine, um, it is a partial nicotine agonist, so it could have uh, additive potentially type effects to nicotine replacement therapy like with nicotine patches. And then one other uh, thing that I guess I, I think about, it's generally not too much of an issue because patients are already getting nicotine into their system. Their system's you know kind of used to it. We're basically just replacing it. We're not trying to go way above and beyond what their normal uh, blood concentration is. However, if we do um, potentially give them more than they're used to, uh, there is that potential that blood pressure and pulse could go up a little bit. So that is something that I, you know, modestly look out for. And if you've got a patient on multiple blood pressure medications, which seems like many smoking cessation patients are, uh, sometimes on, on many blood pressure medications, uh, we've got to recognize that, you know, if that nicotine is excessive, um, we could be opposing some of those effects. So keeping an eye on that blood pressure, keeping an eye on that pulse, just a, a good thing to do as we're kind of starting and um, getting that nicotine in our system from, from nicotine replacement therapy. And then one last interaction while we're finishing up here, I do want to remind you about smoking cessation. So smoking tobacco products has the potential to induce CYP1A2. Okay, it, it's not an ultra potent interaction in, in most situations. However, we could end up with some altered concentrations of certain drugs. So, uh, clozapine, olanzapine, a couple of antipsychotics, those concentrations could go up as we stop smoking. Okay, so smoking tobacco products being a CYP1A2 inducer. That's going to kind of lower those concentrations if we were to start smoking. But if we if we were to take away smoking, that could raise those concentrations. A couple of other medications that come to mind that are CYP1A2 mediated that I do see used out in practice sometimes, uh, duloxetine. So there again, if we, if we stop, stop smoking, um, we're going to maybe just have the awareness that that could shake up uh, the concentrations of some drugs like duloxetine and potentially modestly increase the concentrations we're getting there. So from a clinically significant perspective, 
in most situations, I, I doubt it's going to lead to clinically significant results. However, if you've got a patient on an unusually high dose for some reason, or maybe they're taking other medications, uh, you know, that, that impacts CYP1A2, you know, maybe that, uh, change in, in smoking patterns could kind of alter that concentration. So important to think about. And one last one with CYP1A2 is propranolol. So that that's one that's um, broken down through that pathway. We take away that inducer, that smoking cessation inducer. Propranolol concentrations could go up, you know, lead to lower heart rate, lower blood pressure, and, and things of that nature. So just a few important interactions to, to think about there. Uh, if you've enjoyed the podcast today, found it helpful, uh, do us a huge favor. Leave us a rating review on iTunes or wherever you're listening. Um, very appreciative of all of you who have taken the, the time to do that. Uh, if you'd like to reach out to me for suggestions, comments, um, wondering where you can get more resources, things of, of that nature, um, definitely find me at LinkedIn, Eric Christensen, PharmD, BCPS, BCGP, or you can find me um, at reallifepharmacology.com, hit the contact button, and that will go uh, straight to uh, me. MedEd101, you can also reach me there as well, where we have a lot of our uh, board certification products as well as our, our books um, that have been created as well. So definitely go check out those resources for all different uh, healthcare professionals at meded101.com slash store. I'm going to sign off for today. Thanks so much for listening. Take care. Have a great rest of your day. Buenos dias, world, from the San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance. I'm Marco Wint. And I'm Rick Schwartz. And we're your hosts for Season 3 of Amazing Wildlife, a show from iHeartRadio Ruby Studio and the global conservation organization behind the San Diego Zoo and the San Diego Zoo Safari Park. Listen as we dive into the efforts here in San Diego and spotlight the heroes working worldwide to care for the species you know and love. Listen to Amazing Wildlife on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.